We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. What up, though? It's your coach that knows hoops the most. Coach Cam, we back for episode 10. We getting it in, my friend. Got a lot of hoops to cover this week. We're going to cover the NBA. Not as extensively as we have before. It's going to be a shorter segment. Or it might not. You know what I'm saying? Because I got a Trey Young take that I just thought of tonight. And I was just like, man, young boy been getting in. I got I to gotta start talking about young boy for real. Uh, it, it, he's the true NBA young boy. The, the true one. Yeah, we're going to talk about him. Uh, we're going to uh, recap the All-Star Weekend. We're going to talk about college. You talk about high school. You already know how I get it in, man. I got a lot of hoops to cover. Definitely going to cover more college than I normally do because as we get closer to March here, close to March Madness, my favorite time of the year, I'm going to start digging a little deeper in some of these conferences, some of these teams, what teams might get in, what conferences might get one or two teams in, what team might be the first one out, first one in, stuff like that. So, you know, we're going to talk hoops as well. High school hoops, I mean, you know, cash check and the city title and all that debacle that I tried to break that didn't really break, and it was just a mess they had down in Detroit. But I'm glad they fixed it and they got it together. But, you know, it's your coach that knows hoops the most. You know where I'm going to start, man. I'm going to start with the NBA. And this week we had John Beeline, who was, the head, who was previously the head coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He stepped down. He left $12 million on the table. Uh, because some boys just ran them out of there. And it was a bad situation to start. Whenever you put a college coach on an NBA team, and it's a bad NBA team, uh, when you have a chance, go look at the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. And I want you to try to figure out what coach is going to coach that team to win more than 20 games in a year. I- I'm telling you, that roster is terrible. You know how Shaq used to he, 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 he talk? They're terrible. That roster is terrible. So you bring this college coach. He's 67. He's older. He's got his things in place. His system is placed. The way he likes to do things fundamentally. He spends a lot of time on fundamentals. And I know some of these young guys, they ain't trying to spend time on fundamentals. So... And you bring this guy in and he's got these views and doing different things. And then he calls them thugs in a film session and tries to come back and say, nah, I ain't call y'all thugs, called y'all slugs. And it was like, yeah, nah, we ain't rock, we ain't rocking with homie. And when guys start you feeling a certain way in the NBA that make more money than you, see, see the thing about what coaching in the NBA is you have to coach young guys that make more money than you. Right? You gotta you gotta try to coach Tristan Thompson, not the cherry pick. And to, to just pull him straight out the game for doing so, he make eighteen million a year. You make it five. So in his mind, he like, man, this old guy can't tell me nothing, and I'm not listening to you. These are the pros think like there are pros to be like, man, I'm not listening to you. Whatever. All right, talk to my agent. Talk to my people. Have my people call your people. You be like, hold on, I'm the coach. So the things that you can do and get away with in college, you're not getting away with in the NBA. And Beeline figured that out. 
They did a lot of losing this year, but I mean, it, it's part of the process. He could have at least got through year one, and I thought he probably would have if he never made that comment in the film session, if he never got into it with Tristan Thomas, Tristan Thompson, rather. I think he would have at least made it one, through year one and maybe through a draft, get a player or two, uh, sign somebody in offseason, and then try to you know start it over again, but he couldn't even get to year two, man. He couldn't get the year two, man. Them guys was fed up with Beeline. Like, get this college guy out of here, man. He called us thug. What? Man, let me blast up this thuggish, ruggish bone. The blast it up. Blast up that I'm a thug. <laughs> so they was they was wilding. But I can see why. Like, I know how pro players are. And they doing they, they, they little, you know, sly stuff. Stuff on the sly. And, and John Beeline, just, it wasn't a good fit in Cleveland. And he had a rough year. Uh, even though his son had resigned uh, at Niagara uh, before. So I know that was drama as well. He was dealing with that. So I know he he had a lot going on, but it just wasn't a good fit, man. It wasn't a good fit. Tried to make the jump to the NBA. So to stay at Michigan, he could have been at Michigan for 20. He could have been at Michigan forever. He could have never had another job. And now you try to dabble in the NBA. You make four or five million and now you out of a job. But here's my thing with John Beeline and guys like John Beeline, who are great coaches in their right in college and try to go to the NBA. And you know what? He's going to come back. He going to get another shot. He's going to get another shot. So to think that John Beeline is going to be out of basketball in a year from now, you're foolish. You're foolish because the sanctions is coming down and it's going to be one of these high profile jobs like a Texas, a Kansas, uh, North Carolina, whoever. I don't know which high-profile job is going to be open in the spring. There will be one. I bet you the first guy that they want to bring in is John Beeline because he ran a straight and air program in Michigan, didn't get sanctioned or anything like that. Uh, so they're going to want to bring him in, and he's going to get another shot. My only problem with that is there are a lot of other qualified coaches who deserve a shot. There are. There are. Stop giving these guys a 65, 66, damn near 70 years old, and they get another coaching job. And you got guys in their 40s, late 40s, been coaching for 20 years, and they ain't got their shot yet. Come on, man. We need some new blood. We need some new blood in college basketball. We need some guys that's getting it done at the lower levels. You know what I'm saying? We need more black head coaches. But if we keep these recycling coaches, like, all right, you got a job here, you just go over there. All right, I know you got fired here, you just go over there. Then, like, what progress are we making college basketball-wise? And you're starting to see that the level of college basketball isn't what it used to be. But you got to start giving some of these guys a shot. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in my college segment. I'm still on the NBA side of things. And back to the Cavs, it just wasn't a good fit. They let them go. They, they reassigned them another position in the organization. That's basically them saying, we're going to pay you out for the year. Just go. Just You can go somewhere. Like, you don't want to coach? All right, go down the hall and just just be away. Be away. You good. We just going to pay you to be away. That's what that is. They didn't even say what job he was going to have. They just said, we're going to give you a job in the organization. That's them saying, yeah, we're going to pay you to be away. So, you know, B-Line didn't work out for the Cavs. I wonder who gets that job. They're going to J.B. Bickerstaff gets the interim tag to begin with. I mean, that's, the roster is bad. They ain't winning no games this year. They're going to be in the lottery. Top five pick. Uh, we're going to see what happens uh, with the job, who gets the job. Maybe Bickerstaff turns it around. They win a few games, and 
And hey, you, you see what happened. I mean, they got Andre Drummond now, so they should be killing. No, they they got three bigs on the roster. They, they're not gonna be killing, but you know. So that's that. So we also had All Star Weekend this past weekend. I really enjoyed watching All Star Weekend. And for me, as a kid growing up, All Star Weekend used to be my thing. It used to be my thing in February. Uh, second or third week in February, ain't got a whole lot going on. Um, not really hanging out because it's hoop season. So you had practice Friday night or you had a game Friday with practice Saturday morning and, um, things of that sort. So just a lot of basketball stuff is going on in February. So for me, I always watched the all-star weekend. So I always would sit and watch the three point contest and watch the dunk contest and watch the All-Star game on Sunday. Like, that was my thing. Like, I like, I re- that's what I wanted to, to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a hooper growing up, everybody wants to get to the league. But, like, I always wanted to participate in All-Star weekend. Like, that was, I thought it was really cool. Like, I used to set up my little racks in my backyard. I didn't have 15 balls, but I used to move the balls and do that. Like, I used to do, like, little crazy stuff. Like, try to redo the dunks on my Nerf rim that they was doing in the game and stuff like that. So that was used, used to be my thing. So I really enjoyed watching All-Star Weekend. And we're going to start with the three-point contest. The three-point contest, the final three. I'm not going to talk about all the contestants. I'm just going to talk about the final three. Devin Booker, Buddy Hill, and Bertans. Bertans plays uh, for the Wizards. He uh he looked good. He looked good, but he was a little bit more of a jump shooter. He got off the floor a little bit. And in the three-point contest, if you're getting off the floor, if you're using your legs, chances you of you having a high score are 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 low. Are low. Guys that don't use their legs, which most of these guys didn't, they didn't get off the floor a whole lot. So I made the tweet about, you know, to all those coaches talking about you need to get lift in your shot. And these guys is just nailing threes and they barely getting off the floor. I mean and, and I'm gonna talk about that here in a second, but um, yeah, I mean Bertans, he had a, he had a good first he had a good first round, got him into the finals, and uh, he could really stroke that thing. But he was a, he was a leg shooter, so you know he got tired and he couldn't beat the other two guys who I want to talk about, Buddy Hill and Devin Booker. Devin Booker got a strap, man. Devin Booker got a strap, and and he was letting them go. He was letting them go. He made both the money balls. Uh, I mean, the Mountain Dew money ball. So they added to a three-point contest. So I like what they did. They added a uh, three-point shot to it, two three-pointers, which were Mountain Dew balls from 29 feet and nine inches. You might as well just say 30 feet uh, away from the basket. Uh, so you got two of those shots that you could take. And then you had a whole rack of money balls at the end. And, well, you could put that rack of money balls wherever. So I know Bertans had put it on the wing. And uh, Buddy Hill and Devin Booger saved it for the last rack because it's worth 10 points if you make all five. So I like the strategy in that. Uh, guys wasn't really getting off the floor. And, and I that's the one thing I've been working on with guys uh, a lot, man. It's just like, why why you need to jump? Like, you really don't need to jump. Now, there are certain shots on the floor where you do have to jump, right? A standstill catch and shoot three ain't one of them. So unless you're just a jump shooter, like you athletic and every shot you take, it's going to be a jump shooter, a jump shot, right? The one thing that, you know, I've been told and things that I've been noticing, if you're a jump shooter, you're never shooting the same shot because you're never jumping the same 
amount off the floor, away from the floor. It's never the same amount. It's, it might be six inches. It might be five inches. It might be four inches. It might be set. You never know. It's a different shot every time. Where set shooters, guys that are set shooters are shooting the same shot every time. Devin Booker and Buddy Hill, for this contest, when they're shooting the three, they're shooting the same shot every single time. And Devin Booker uh, put it out there, scored 26. And I thought Devin Booker was going to win it, man. I thought Devin Booker was going to win it again. He's always he's already won the contest before. And then Buddy Hill, man, Buddy Hill came back and showed us what he did at Oklahoma and said, y'all, y'all must have forgot. I mean, I still average 20 plus in this league. Like I can shoot that thing. And he did, man. And he came home. He made four out of five his last wreck and won the contest on the very last shot. He's clutch, man. Buddy Hill is clutch. He was clutch at Oklahoma. He's clutch for Sacramento. He's having a good season for them. And now he's the three-point contest winner. So I really enjoyed watching the three-point contest and watching these guys get up these threes, man. It was very impressive. It was very impressive uh, because these guys, were they were scoring, man. If you didn't score in the 20, you didn't advance. If you didn't score 24, 25, you didn't advance. But it's not like it was before. Before, you only have five racks, five money balls, and you had the opportunity to, I think it was 32 was the highest you can score. Well, that's no longer the case. With a whole rack of money balls and two Mountain Dew three-pointers, that's just that right there is 16 points. So you had the opportunity to score way more points. So guys was really, if you wasn't getting the 20s, you wasn't even being considered. So shout out to Buddy Hill for winning the three-point contest to start off. So let's talk about the dunk contest. And you probably like, Coach Cam, why are you talking about the dunk contest? Because it was controversy. It was. It was what everybody was talking about. But I'm not going to do a deep dive in the dunk contest. Here's what I'm going to say. Both dunkers were phenomenal. Both dunkers, absolutely phenomenal. Did Eric Gordon get robbed? No. He didn't get robbed. What they should have did is just stopped it with a tie. But nobody likes a tie, man. In life, nobody likes a tie. You either win or you lose. There's no middle ground. So I kind of respect the fact they said, nah, we're not doing no ties. Somebody is going to win and somebody is going to lose. And what that reminded me of is my high school practices when there was a loose ball. And when people come and watch my practice, I would tell them if there is a loose ball by you, there's going to be four or five people trying to get it. Do not stop them. It's going to look like a fumble. And you see guys trying to fumble and get the ball. Whenever I had a loose ball, I did not blow the whistle. Not never. And I did that purposely. The reason why I did that purposely is because somebody really want the ball. And if you really want it that bad, you're going to come up with it. And you don't need a coach's whistle. You don't need somebody to stop play. If you really want that ball bad enough, you going to get it. And I like to see guys that went down there and, and got those loose balls. The guys that the loose balls on the floor, you got four or five guys in the huddle and you just, you know, you on the outskirts, you're not in the mix. Like, I noticed that too. That means you ain't going to be the guy that's trying to get that rebound. You ain't going to box out the guy that's bigger than you. You're not going to scuff your knee on the floor when it's time to, to get down, to get your knees dirty. So that's what it reminded me of. It's just competition, man. Competition is a dunk contest. Somebody has to win. So even though I thought it should have ended in a tie, you know, the competitor in me was like, well, shit, somebody got to lose. 
Somebody got to lose, somebody got to win. And D-Wade was just like, I'm going to let my homie win. Facts. My, my guy. I'm voting for my guy. 50. Other guy, nine. I, I'm just saying, that's that's what happened. So, um, so yeah, so shouts out uh, to those guys. Eric Gordon, Derrick Woods, that was in the dunk contest. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't fixed. He deserved it. He deserved it. The young dog from Miami deserved a win. Aragorn did not get robbed. He lost. He lost. Tough titties said the kitty when the milk went dry. It is what it is. Even though he had five fifties and didn't win. How you get five fifties in a dunk contest and don't win? That's nuts. So he's not returning back to the dunk contest. And... It's going to be harder to get young guys to get excited about it when those kind of things happen. But, I mean, at the end of the day, somebody got to win. So that's just my take on the dunk contest. I'm kind of glad they let them do that and it happened. But, you know, it was kind of shady. But, you know, hey, it's entertainment, man. It's All-Star Weekend. You need something to talk about. If it just ended in the tie, you want to talk about the dunk contest. The fact that it did not end in the tie made you talk about it about Aaron Gordon get robbed now you had to go back and and look at what happened the last time when he went up against Zach Levine and it's just like oh it happens again so it's just it's just another story they created another narrative that's what they did they created another narrative by not naming a tie by making sure somebody lost so that was the dunk contest I really enjoyed watching the dunk contest there were some really good dunks man really creative I mean the one Aaron Gordon had off the side and he catch it with one hand and does man I mean it, it was really good it was really good to watch like I said the three-point contest and the dunk contest used to be my thing man used to be my thing so I really enjoyed that so Sunday, Sunday, you have the All-Star Game. And Common did his thing with the intros. Not going to talk about all the bars he dropped or didn't drop or whatever. So Common did his thing. And when the game started, it was just a, it had a different feel to it, a different vibe. You know, uh, with the Kobe 24 and the GG2, it had a different, a different vibe to it. It just didn't feel like guys was just out there, just, all right, I'm throwing it off the glass, windmilling like Tracy McGrady, like, you know, at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to let you know. I still got work. Greek Freak tried to let you know, oh, hey, I got work, but, like, I'm trying to win. And when it came down to it, to the fourth quarter, and they added the Elam ending, I'm going to mention that in a second, they was playing, man. They was playing hard, and it was sloppy. That's how I know it was playing hard. You saw turnovers. You saw Kyle Lowry take a charge, and then he comes right back and dribbles it off his foot. So, like, that kind of stuff is how I know. Like, they was really out there hooping because they ain't making mistakes, missing shots. Like, James Harden had a wide-open layup for the game. He passed it out for three. Like, that's how you know they was really playing. Like, it wasn't about no uh, all-star game you know, alley-oops and all that. Like, they was out there hooping, and I respect that. And out of, out of honor and respect to Kobe, that's how you honor Kobe, is you go hard in the All-Star game. You go hard. But you should do that anyway. If you're, a, if you're a basketball player, NBA player, every time you touch the floor, you should go hard. So we shouldn't even be talking about guys going hard. But there, there's been a case where, you know, that happens where guys will start going hard to the fourth quarter. So, the Elam ending. So if you're not familiar with the basketball tournament, it's a $2 million tournament in the summer. And it's where they comprise, uh, they take a score and they add it to the winner score at the end of the fourth quarter. And then they play a untimed period to a target amount. So 
for the NBA All-Star, they took 24. They had 24 to the top score, and now everybody's playing to 157. And if you've ever had – and I got excited, man. I got excited when they had the target score and they had to get to 157 because that reminded me of the times we used to be at Henry Ford and we used to be at Redford. And the gym is sweaty. It's in the summer. We're playing the 160. It's 20 guys in the gym, 10 guys over here, 10 guys over there. And it's guys that played at a high level, college, AAU. I mean, NBA guys will come through. Uh, I see Mo Taylor come through one time. And young dog, young dog Vince Hunter gave him a, a smooth 50. I mean, I didn't see some stuff in these runs, man. I, you know, and, and, and they still doing it now. Guys are still doing it now. And when we play to a target number, it's not a, it's not a time clock. It's not a time clock. Whoever get there first, the winner. 80 is halftime. And that's how we do it. So it, it brought back that vibe. Like, oh, all right, so y'all hooping for real. Like, that's y'all going to a target score? Like, oh, so y'all out here trying to get in there. Y'all trying to hoop for real. So, and that's what happened. Uh, you had guys diving on the floor for loose balls, uh, arguing with the refs. I mean, it was good to see. It was good to watch. I think it's a format that they should uh, carry on, uh, something that they should do uh, from here on out. Every All-Star game should have this type of ending, and I think that's what they're going to do is that they're going to carry this out uh, going forward, going down the line. Um, in the TV tournament, I saw a game where a, a team, the target number was 19, and they was down. They were still on the losing end, and they came back and won. He was like, man, the other team only had to score nine. They had to score 19. They came back and won. So it was good to see in the NBA. Um, I was kind of skeptical at first. Uh, I thought the whole add 20, uh, Kobe 24 to it was a little bit much. But it, it had a nice feel to it. It had a nice feel to it, uh, even though you don't want to see it end on the free throw. So they might want to, you know, try to adjust that uh, to make sure you have to win the game by two and it has to be a field goal. Uh, but, you know, the winning on the free throw I thought was pretty whack uh, because once you went to the line, all you had to do was make one shot, the game was over. So you definitely don't want that. But what you do want is you want your highest level players to be playing at a high level, to be playing hard. I think the fans really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And Team LeBron came away with the win, even though uh, Team Giannis was winning the whole they was winning the whole time until it got down to the money. So all those people that said, you know, Team Giannis was going to get blown out and he don't know how to uh, <clears throat> he don't know how to draft the team. I like this team. I like this team. They play well. They just couldn't beat LeBron and them, man. LeBron and them turned it up and got it done. So that's my take on uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend. So the NBA is back, man. We had the game starting back out tonight. Uh, you had the Nets playing the Sixers. You had the Rockets playing Golden State. You had uh, the Hawks uh, playing tonight. They played the Miami Heat. About to talk about that here in a second. Uh, the Nets just announced today that Kyrie Irving is shutting it down. And I'm glad that Kyrie is shutting it down because I didn't really like the experiment so far. I mean, I don't think he had his his all into it because he knew he was hurt. Um, and it just wasn't a good mix with him and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karius Avert and them guys. Uh, so I wanted him to shut it down until KD gets uh, healthy. KD's back working out now. He's looking good. Uh, he got that strange slingshot. Uh, but he, he's efficient with it. Uh, but he's one of the best players in the world. 
So I wanted Kyrie to shut it down, and I'm glad he's shutting it down. Go ahead, get shoulder surgery. Do what you need to do. Come back with KD. Like, I don't need you trying to figure it out with the other guys. I need you trying to figure it out with one of the best players in the world. Because right now, I mean, even though he was averaging, you know, in the high 20s, they was losing, man. They wasn't winning a whole lot of games. He wasn't playing with his heart into it. He was just a different Kyrie Irving. So go get healthy, young fella. Do what you need to do so you and KD can come back and take the world by storm next season, not this season. So uh, saw that the Rockets... I've already started out their their small ball lineup uh, with P.J. Tucker at the five, Robert Covington at the four, uh, Russell Respa, James Harden. And even though they won, I still don't think it's effective. I talked about it last week, and they were able to beat the Celtics 116-110 to 110 the very first time they rolled out the small ball lineup. It stretches you out. And like I said, P.J. Tucker's going to have to perform at a high level. But the game they won, I mean, they beat the Celtics, but Harden had to score 42, and Westbrook had to score 38. That's damn near 80 points between two guys. They only scored 116. So what the other guys is doing? Watching them two guys play. So, I mean, if they got to score 30, if, if those two guys got to score 70 to 75 points a night for them to win by six, I mean, that's... That's tough. That's tough to do. And even though the small ball spreads you out, spreads the floor, more driving lanes, guys to get downhill, drive and kick, one more, open three, that's what they're looking for. Uh, and they're getting those opportunities, and they're putting up 45, 53s in a game, which is crazy to me. But what else you going to do when you play playing small? You're going to shoot a lot of threes. And then Antonio, he better hope it works, because if it doesn't work and it fails and the Rockets don't do well in the postseason, somebody's out of there. I don't know if it's Dan Antonio that's out of there. I don't know if it's a GM that's out of there. Somebody is out of there because you got two of the top five, top ten players in the league, and you can't win. Something is wrong. Something has to be wrong. And they, you're gonna, they're going to have to figure it out. So you're going to see. Uh, so you got the Rockets playing small ball. But the, the one topic that I want to talk about this week is a young man uh, by the name of Trey Young. And I've been avoiding the Trey Young topic uh, because a good friend of mine, Rashad Phillips, has been heavy on the Trey Young train. And, and he's been on the train well before I'm about to hop on. I'm getting on the train now. I hope there's room. Hope there's room on this train because I'm hopping on now. I'm hopping on the train, on the Trey Young train, and because Young Boy's been getting it done. He's been getting it done, man. I know earlier in the season he was putting up high numbers and they wasn't winning. And that was my, you know, you know, take on Trey Young early in the season was that he's putting up these high numbers and it doesn't, it's not translate translating into wins well it's a young team so they have to learn how to win and they're starting to learn how to win because look at these numbers the last five games trey young's last five games tonight he dropped 50 and 8 50 points eight assists tonight right the game right before the all-star break and i I want you to pay attention to these numbers because these numbers are crazy crazy numbers 50 and 7, 27 and 12, 29 and 9, 48 and 13, and 38 and 11. Okay, the second number is assists. This guy had 48 points and 13 assists. 
that is some high level basketball right there. Win or lose, them high, them them some them some video game numbers. Trey Young is out here. He's out here averaging 29.7 points per game, 9.2 assists per game, and in his last five games, they're three and two. So now it's starting to translate into wins, and that's when guys like Coach Cam start to take notice. I take notice because I like winners. I want guys that want to win. I don't want stat builders. And at first, I just thought he was a stats guy, but he ain't a stats guy. Like, he's trying to win. Like, he's playing hard. He's getting guys in this position. He's really trying to win. So, like, now, when I start looking at the numbers, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, dude really doing it. He really doing it for real. And you start talking about a guy like Trey Young. I mean, here's my take. Trey Young is is playing really real Isaiah Thomas-ish. He's very Isaiah Thomas-ish because he can score at a high level. He can pass at a high level. And you can't stay in front of him. He's too quick. He's small and he quick. You can't stay in front of him. He got the ball on the string. I don't know if you remember, but Isaiah Thomas scored 16 points in 90 seconds. He had that thing on the string early in his career. That's what Trey Young is starting. That's what he's looking like. Trey Young last year averaged 19 and 9. I want you to guess what Isaiah's career numbers were. 19 and 9. Those are his career numbers. He and and I, I didn't know he had as, as high number of assists as he did. In Isaiah Thompson's fourth season in the NBA, he averaged 13.9 assists per game while averaging 22 points. Those are the kind of numbers that Trey number is Trey Young is putting up. It's just that he ain't waiting a year four to do it. He doing it in year two. His second year in the league, he's only 20 years old. Oh, he's averaging 29, almost 30 points and 10 assists per game in the NBA. This guy had 50 points and eight assists. So my take is he Isaiah Thomas-ish. He, he, he's like Isaiah Thomas. You can't guard him. He's if at, at the rate that he's going, he could be one of the best guards ever to play the game. If he continue at this rate, yeah, he's going to be one of the best guards ever. For sure, he'd be the best smallest guard ever. Like that won't even be a question anymore. It won't even be a, if he keep doing this. Fifty and eight, forty eight and thirteen. Like, come on, man. You're not supposed to be doing that in NBA. So even though like guys are just like doing putting up some ridiculous numbers, you start to see some of that. You know, wait away a little bit. You know, guys are starting to figure it out, and Trey Young just keeps ramping it up and ramping it up and ramping it up. I mean, he coming across half, and it's like he at the logo, and it's like, oh, you ain't going to guard me out here? And he pulling it, and he nailing it, right? I think Trey Young is Isaiah Thomas with a better jump shot. He's Isaiah Thomas with a better jump shot. Woo-wee! Isaiah Thomas is one of the 50 best players to ever play this game. I think Isaiah Thomas is the most underrated PG of all time. That's me. And I think Trey Young is can be that good. If not better. Think about Isaiah Thomas. Early on in his career in Detroit, he was on some bad teams. Right? They was getting ousted in the first round. New York Knicks put them out in the first round. They came in the Cobo was like, yeah, that's that's cute. You showed you a little 90 seconds. Yeah, 16 points. And I say, yeah, that's cute, but you didn't win the series. So you can stay at home, and we're going to continue on in the playoffs. It wasn't until further on in his career 
where he got better teammates, guys like Lambeer and Mahorn and Rodman, and he's able to win some games. But early on, it was just him and Kelly Chapuka. And, like, it wasn't a whole lot of players around there. Like, it was Isaiah and, and some other guys. Like, it wasn't really a whole lot. And Trey Young, that's kind of what he's dealing with now. He's dealing with some young guys. And you'll start seeing a year four and year five start making the playoffs, start making the run. I mean, I, I mean, he's he's very Isaiah Thomas-ish. So that's just my take. Trey Young is Isaiah, is Isaiah Thomas with a better jump shot and more assist. 29-9 is just sick, man. It's just sick. And uh, I, at first I was... I was Larry. I was Larry and Trey Young at first because he's really, really little. And I know a lot of guards, I mean, a lot of coaches, a lot of players don't like little, little guards. He's little. But, man, that sucker, <laughs> he, that sucker can play, man. He can play. So, shout out to Trey Young. I'm hopping on the train, man. I need y'all to move over, you know, uh, give me some elbows, elbow room, uh, move over because – I'm I'm on the Trey Young train right now. I'm on the Trey Young train. I'm I'm all in, man. I'm all in, especially if he keep winning. Now, the next five games, he go on five. I might come back on this podcast and be like, uh, remember what we had talked about with that uh, Trey Young and winning and all that? Yeah, I know. But you know, for right now, I'm on the train, man. Give me some room. I'm right there. Hey, yo, we back, man. So that was my NBA take, man. I'm excited this week, man. For some odd reason, I'm excited to talk hoops with you guys. Even though I'm only talking about talking to about 30 or 40 people, it's cool because I mess with y'all. Y'all my peoples. We're going to talk about college now, man. So today, tonight is Thursday. And if you know anything about college basketball, Thursday is a big night, especially in February because you got conference play. So, you know, I always talk about the GLIAC. Thursday is a huge night in the GLIAC in February because a lot of shaking and moving happens. You know, you might have one team win and ain't supposed to win. You have another team lose and ain't supposed to lose. And you see a lot of movement between teams three through seven in the league standings. A lot can happen on a Thursday or a Saturday. So we're going to start with the GLIAC. The top of the GLIAC has not changed. Has not changed. You got Ferris and Grand Valley. Ferris is 25 and 5. Grand Valley is 21 and 5. And both of them have clinched uh, a playoff berth. So in the GLIAC, you only take in the top eight teams in the conference or 12 teams in the conference. I think it's 12, 12 or 13 teams in the conference. Uh, the top eight make the playoffs. The top three, so you have the GLIAC North standings. You have a GLIAC South. So you take the top three teams in the GLIAC North, the top three teams in the GLIAC South, and you take the next best two records. So uh, last week we talked about the five teams that were one game separated. And today you had a little bit of movement. You had a little bit of movement today. Grand Valley played at Northern Michigan. So that was a big game for Northern Michigan. It's a home game. You get to play a ranked team because Grand Valley is ranked in the country. I think they're ranked number 14th, 15th in the country. I forget their ranking, but they are ranked in the country. Uh, but what Northern Michigan was forgot is they have a junior named Jake Van Tubergen who they run their entire offense through, and he went nutty tonight. He had 39 and 13. For the GLIAC, for somebody to score 39 points and grab 13 rebounds, that is a monster game. So look for Jake Van Tubergen to try to earn his fourth or fifth 
uh, player of the week status he's gotten already. I know he's already gotten three, so I think it's probably be his fourth. Uh, but I mean, he went to work on Northern Michigan on the road. So whenever you can win on the road, I don't care what conference, I don't care what level, whenever you can win on the road in your conference, that's a good win. I don't care how the two teams are stacked. I don't care if one team is ranked, one team is not ranked, especially in the GLIAC. If you can win road games in the GLIAC, that is the opportunity for you to play in the GLIAC tournament because it's hard winning on the road because you got to protect home court. You got to protect home court if you're GLIAC team and if you're you know team eight and team seven and team six you gotta win at home so Grand Valley edged them out double overtime I think the score was um 82 to 79 I forget I, that was that wasn't the score uh but it took double overtime Jake Van Tubigan went crazy 39 and 13 Jeremiah Ferguson he had 22 and 6 so I mean I mean that's the duo right there that's the duo that's the GLIAC duo, and they've been getting it done all season long. So if you play Grand Valley and you do not have a plan for Jeremiah Ferguson and Jake Van Tubergen, they run their whole entire offense around Jake Van Tubergen in the low post, and there's nothing you can do with it when he's rolling. So so you had that. You had uh, Michigan Tech taking care of business over Davenport. So that was a big win for Michigan Tech. Uh, Kyle Monroe, twenty nine and ten. I mean, he's I mean, he's all league first team. I mean, he's an all American. I mean, Kyle Monroe will, will make a lot of money playing basketball overseas in the right country if he has the right agent. Because it's about your agency who represents you. It's not about what you can do. So hopefully he hires the right agency because he should be making a lot of money playing basketball overseas. He had twenty nine and ten tonight as Michigan Tech beat Davenport. Um, Ashland. Ashland went on the road at that one school I used to work out, and they lost, even though they had won eight straight games. So Ashland had won eight straight games, and they propelled themselves all the way up to fourth in the conference. I mean, uh, fifth in the conference. And even though they lost tonight, uh, they're back in the mix in the playoff hunt, uh, even though they, they would have stretched where they lost their first eight games, I think it was, in the conference. And, I mean, that's tough, but they they came right back and then won eight straight. And even though they lost tonight, they're going to have to play Northwood on Saturday. We'll see how that works. Northwood tonight, they lose to Wayne State. So, Wayne State only has uh, five league wins or four, four league wins on the year. And Wayne State goes into Northwood, and they beat Northwood behind Kareem Murray scoring 31 points. 25 of that came in the first half. And for Northwood, for a home team, that's a bad loss. So, like, if you want to make the GLIAC playoffs, you want to play your conference playoffs, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to you're supposed to beat. So when you look at your schedule, even though in the GLIAC, Every team can beat you because all the teams are good. But when you look at the GLIAC and you say, okay, Wayne, they only got a few conference wins, that looks like potentially a game we could count in our last five as one of those wins that could get us to the tournament. And they came in and they smacked them. So you had that. You had Lake State over uh, Parkside, and then you had Fair State taking care of business uh, against Purdue Northwest. So uh, that's the Le- the GLIAC. Miles Blue, and we'll talk about Miles Blue uh, out of Trotwood Madison High School. Uh, he, he 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 scored a thousand points this week within in the last I think last Saturday. I think he scored. Uh, 26 or 27 last Saturday to, to go over the. No, he needed 24 and he scored 25. 
I mean, cause he's just that kind of kid. Uh, cause so he has a thousand and one points on his career and his sophomore season isn't done yet. And with this new transfer portal that they bought to do where you get a one-time transfer. And as long as you're eligible and in good academic standing and haven't been suspended, you can transfer one time and not have to sit. So you're going to see a lot of people transferring. You're going to see a lot of teams that are low major, mid major, division two looking to, all right, well, you go to a division two. Why don't you come over here and see if you can do that same thing for us? And uh, Miles Ballou was one of those guys. Miles Ballou, 1,000 point score since second year. Uh, he can go somewhere and transfer and come right in and play. I mean, that might be an opportunity for that, that he might even look at. You never know. Uh, but congratulations to Miles Ballou for scoring 1,000 points. That's, that's something that doesn't happen very often at the collegiate level. I know we talk about it, uh, but that's very hard to do. And to do it and your sophomore season isn't even done yet, I mean, that says a lot as well. So shouts out to Miles Ballou for scoring a 1,000 points, a kid that I recruited out of Ohio at that school that I used to coach at. And shout out to him, man. And tonight, he got it in tonight. Um, he, they, they won. They won. He had 27 points and seven rebounds. I mean, he's just been getting it done, man. He's, been getting, he's a Division one level. He's a Division one player at the D2 level, hands down. If you can score a 1,000 points in two years, you're a Division One player at the Division Two level. So I'm sure there are going to be plenty of Division One schools uh, trying to get at Miles Blue at the end of the year, and they should. Ferris, uh, want to talk about their recruiting class. They just finished up their recruiting class. They, they brought in another 6'11 kid, um, uh, Grazielis brother. His younger brother plays at Grand Valley. He's got another brother that plays at Northern Michigan. They all like 6'10", 6'11", out of Allendale. And the, the recruiting class that Fair State has, has brought in is, is top-notch. It's one of those classes that if they were mid-major, if they were low-major, it would still be a really good class. And I know I talked about it last week, not going to spend a whole lot of time this week about their class. But, I mean, Fair State, is they've been doing it in. They've been recruiting Michigan very hard, and they should. And they should because there's schools in Michigan. There are a lot of great players in the state of Michigan, especially for the D2 level, D3 level, and lower level uh, schools. You might not have a whole bunch of five stars, right? You got, what, maybe two five stars in the state? Isaiah Jackson and who's the other five star? Monty Bates. So you got two five stars in the entire state, right? But you got a whole bunch of four stars, and you got an even – you got a really lot of amount, a really lot of amount. Man, look at me. I sound like I ain't don't have two degrees and I'm educated. You have a a, a a large amount of guys that are two and three stars that can get it done at the low major and the division two level. So there are players in the state and Ferris State is taking advantage of that. They can recruit. Anki, Andy Bronkema can recruit. So shout out to Ferris. Still ranked uh, top 15 team in the country. And they have clinched uh, Gliak Burr for the playoffs. So, shouts out to them. So, that was my Gliak take. Of course, I got to talk about Division II because I was a Division II player and Division II coach. So, I got to cover the Gliak. So, now it's time to cover Division One, And we're going to start with the Big Ten. And big news over the weekend. You had Michigan upsets Rutgers. But it really wasn't an upset. 
It really wasn't an upset because Rutgers is no longer at the top of the Big Ten. They're starting to move down down the road here because they can't win a road game. I mean, Rutgers is 1-6 on the road, so they're no longer one of those teams at the Big Ten. We had talked about Rutgers before. They was first in the Big Ten. All right. Now Rutgers is like fifth or sixth because they can't win a road game. So Michigan, there was a good game for them because they went on the road and they were able to beat Rutgers and kind of move up the standards and be right next to them. It was a good win for Michigan. But for Rutgers, you can't be losing home games in conference play. And that's exactly what happened. Michigan took care of business. They went in there. They got it done. And they were playing without Isaiah Livers, which was key. And they would still be able to go in there and get the win that they were supposed to win um, at Rutgers. At Rutgers. And whenever – and I talked about it before. Whenever you can get a road win in conference, that means that your conference is pretty freaking good. If you could go on the road and get a win. Uh, because you need those going in the mark. Going into the tournament, you need big wins. And for Michigan, going into Rutgers, you can put that as a big win for them because they haven't been winning games on the road. So them getting a road win was huge. That was huge for them. So let's talk about um, some standings in the Big Ten. You got Maryland at the top. They're 12 and 3 in the conference. You got Penn State. They still been getting it done. You got Iowa. Now, I want to talk about Iowa uh, for a little bit. They just uh, took care of Ohio State this evening, and it's Thursday. It's Thursday, uh, February, what's it, 17th, I think it is? February 21st. Yeah. It's because Valentine's Day was last week. So, yeah, February 21st on a Thursday. Uh, Iowa takes care of business at home against Ohio State. And I'm, I'm pretty disappointed at Ohio State. They're just not the team that they were early on in the season. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen if they had some turmoil, if you got guys not getting along. But they were at one point they were top five in the country, and now they're not ranked, and they're not playing very good basketball. And the boy Luke Garza for uh, for Iowa, he's definitely going to be first team all Big Ten, and he might be first or second team uh, All-American. Like, this big fella is the truth. Like, he nice. Like, he got the back to the basket game. You can put it on the floor. Dribble handoffs. He making the jumpers. He making the threes. Like, Luke Garza is nice. And he guarding the post. He nice, man. So, you got Iowa that's third. Uh, at nine and six, you got Illinois. That's nine and six. You got Michigan State. That's nine and six or ten and six now because they won the night. They beat Nebraska. They're supposed to beat Nebraska. That would have been a bad loss, even though it's a road win. You can't really count it because they're not in the mix. Like Nebraska and Northwestern are the worst two teams in the Big Ten. So beating them at the road ain't. That's you're not gaining an advantage beating them on the road. Rutgers at nine and seven, and you got Michigan at eight and seven. So you start to see the shakeup. Uh, I think the Big Ten is going to get seven teams in. Uh, right now, I just mentioned eight, so one of these teams probably wouldn't make the tournament. She so took about Wisconsin. I forgot Wisconsin is in the mix too at nine and six. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That you know, this is the mix of teams that are probably get into the tournament. Right. And that's the difference between the Big Ten and the ACC. The Big Ten is much more balanced than the ACT. The ACC is top heavy. 
All right. They got three teams of ranked. They got Florida State that's ranked. They got Louisville that's ranked. They got Duke that's ranked, even though they got upset. We're about to talk about that in a second. Uh, but the Big Ten, the Big Ten only has one team in the top ten. Again, Maryland. Uh, but you still have a lot more parity in the Big Ten and the ACC. So road wins are key. So start to look at some of these teams and the games they have remaining on the road. They have five games remaining left in the regular season. And every I think all teams in the Big Ten make the tournament. You just got to play your way in or you get a higher or lower seed, depending on how you do. Uh, it looks like Maryland is going to be uh, – the Big Ten champion for the regular season. And they showed that at Michigan State by coming from behind um, in the last three minutes. I mean, they were down, I think they were down 12 in the last three minutes. They were down 10 in the last three minutes. And the boy Anthony Cohen scores 11 by himself, scores three threes in a row, and then makes two free throws by himself. Michigan State does not score the last three minutes. That's a bad loss for Michigan State. And somewhere where you can gain some ground, where Michigan State can gain some ground in the standings and you beat the top team in the conference on your home court, instead of gaining ground, you're losing ground because you gave the best team in the conference a really good win on the road. So they can say, yeah, we went into Michigan State And we beat Michigan State at State. Now, Michigan State has to play Maryland again within the next two weeks uh, at Maryland, though. So now they're looking to take the sweep over Michigan State when everybody was talking about Michigan State making a sweep over everybody in the conference. So um, Maryland is playing some really good basketball, and that showed with them going into Michigan State and getting it done. And the boy Anthony Cobb, I mean, 11 straight by yourself in the last three minutes, that's tough. That's tough. So that's the Big Ten. I want to talk about the ACC a little bit. Duke gets upset on the road. Uh, They lose to NC State. The score was 88 to 66. But when you start looking at the the stats and you look at the box scores and the records, uh, it wasn't, it's not really an upset. NC State is a really good basketball team. They got four guys averaging double figures, right? They got a kid, they're one of their best players. His name is Markel Johnson. And against Duke, he had 28 points against Duke. He's averaging around 14 points per game. And he's from Ohio. And the reason why I know about Markel Johnson is because he used to play for the King James Shooting Stars. And the Reach Legends and the King James Shooting Stars went two summers where we just went at it. I'm talking about Luke Kennard. I'm talking about Markel Johnson. I'm talking about, uh, I mean, they had high-level players, and so did we. And we used to go at it. I mean, Markel Johnson, I remember playing against him and the other little guard. I forget which Ohio school he goes to. is either Toledo or Akron or one of them. And they used to just be throwing... I think it's Toledo, Marion Jackson. They literally were like six-foot guards, like throwing alley-oops to each other. And I was like, man, this is sick. Like, these guys are throwing alley-oops to each other. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. But Markel Johnson is getting it done for NC State. Like I said, they got four guys averaging double figures. So when I started looking at NC State, I'm like, I can see how they can beat Duke. Duke got two players. 
Duke got two players. They got Vernon Carey and they got Trey Jones. Outside of that, they ain't got much. So in the game where they lost, Vernon Carey had 27 and 12. Trey Jones has 17 and 4. Nobody else is in double figures, so they have two players. NC State got four guys that average double figures. One of those guys is from Michigan. Here we go. Another Michigan guy at a non-Michigan school getting it done. Devin Daniels from uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, averaging 12 points a game at NC State. I forgot he was there. I forgot he was there. But against Duke, he got 25 against Duke. 6'5 guard. He big. He can shoot it. And, I mean, he's from Michigan, man. So, you know, you know, we got a little bit of swagger. We didn't care. He didn't care about Duke. Like, man, I'm about to get it done. And he's a junior. And uh, they went there and they took care of business, man. They took care of business. He's averaging 12 and 5 for the year. Uh, if you if you keep in AAU tabs, he used to play with One Nation and Josh Jackson. So he was the other light-skinned guard that played Josh. And I got a Devin Daniels story. Okay, I'm going to derail Davis right here for a second. So he's playing for One Nation, right? 17 and under. And we're playing the tournament at, at hype. And I saw him play the 17 and under game. So I'm like, okay, cool. So, like, you know, Devin Daniels is playing for One Nation. And we got to play One Nation. I'm coaching the 16 and under team. And all right, cool. Right? Until I seen Devin Daniels uh, warm up for the 16 and under team. And I told the referee, I was like, listen, here's how this is going to go. I just watched my man play the 17 and under. He's going to be a senior. There's no reason why he should be playing 16 and under. If he steps on the floor, I'm calling a timeout and I'm pulling my team off the floor because that's just blatant cheating. Like you just not even just going to respect the fact that he played 17 and under and 16 and under when he's supposed to be playing 17. I don't care what his age is. So it happens. And Devin, Devin Daniels checks into the game, right? And I called a timeout. The referee was like, you for, you was for real. You really? I'm like, yes, my man is not about to play in this game. He just played 17 under. He ain't planned to play to any a senior. He ain't playing in this game because he's not 16. Like, he's 17. Like, it's clear. He ain't playing this game. And the ref's like, I respect you for that. And, yeah, I pulled my guys off the floor. They end up taking him out the game. He doesn't play. We ended up playing the game. Still, a fight still happens because tensions are still high and whatever, man. It's AU basketball. You never know what could happen. But that's why I always remember the name Devin Dames. So, to me, to look up uh, NC State roster, I totally forgot that he was there. And to see that he's averaging 12-5 and five, and he put 25 on Duke. Like, that's a nice little game to put on your highlight tape, to put 25 on Duke. That game right there might make you some money, young fella. Yes, sir, indeed. So, NC State is not a fluke. It was not an upset. That's a good team in the ACC. The, even though the ACC is very top-heavy, they only have five teams above 500 in the conference, Louisville, Duke, Florida State, Virginia. Who do you think the fifth team is? NC State. And, you know, they went in and they got it done against Duke, who was ranked number sixth in the country. And they've had a couple of bad losses. They lost to Stephen F. Austin. But if you go and check Stephen F. Austin record, they're like 22 and 3 and 22 and 4 or something like that. Like, they're a really good basketball team. So you start to see, well, oh, snap. Well, you know, Stephen F. Austin is really good. So you're looking at the ACC. They're very top heavy. And then you look at North Carolina at the bottom. And it's just so weird to see North Carolina to be third and 12 in the ACC and the BC. So bad. They lost this week to Notre Dame at the buzzer. And you want to feel sorry for these guys, but you don't because you know they they down there cheating. 
and they're doing whatever, and they just can't get a win. They can't. And you get Roy Williams. He's in the press conference, and he's talking about, you know, how, you know how his team is performing, and we're still playing hard, and we're still getting it done. You can tell he's frustrated. He's really, really. He ain't had a season like this in a long time. He might not have had a season like this ever. And this is with Cole Anthony. So they losing games with one of the best point guards in the. That's tough. That's tough, man. So I don't know how North Carolina is going to survive. Roy Williams is not going to get fired, okay? So hold your horses. He ain't going to get fired. He's going to be the coach next year. He'll probably load up, get some four or five stars, and be just fine. So here's the question I got for you. Is the ACC better than the Big Ten? My question is no, because the ACC is very top-heavy. And I, like I just said, very top heavy. They got five teams that are, they got three teams that are ranked, five teams that are above 500, but the Big Ten got at least seven or eight that are above 500, and they just slugging it out. So right now, the number one team in the country is Baylor. And this Saturday, you got a really big matchup. I'm going to make sure I tune in uh, so I can give you guys a good breakdown of the game. Baylor is playing Kansas this weekend. And in the Big 12 is big business because both of these teams are at the top of their conference. Baylor is number one in the country. Kansas is number three in the country. And when you think about Baylor... You're like, why is, and I thought to myself today, why is Baylor so good? Why are they so good? How have they been able to win 23 straight games? Their record is 24 and 1. So they went 1 and 1 their first two games, and then they won 23 straight. How are they doing it? They locking up. It's point blank period. They are locking up. They are playing D. Not just your regular defense. They're playing defense. They're playing 98% man. So the majority of the time, they're playing man-to-man. Like my man Rafter would say. They're playing man-to-man defense. And when you look them up on Synergy. So we've talked about Synergy before. Synergy is the film exchange service where teams exchange film um, online. But you're able to go in there and you can watch other teams' tendencies. You can watch their plays. You can watch their games, full games. It's a lot of things you can do with Synergy. And I was like, you know what? I want to look Baylor up on Synergy and just see how they are defensively. Because, you know, just looking at their schedule and you'll see, like, like, man, they've only given up 70 twice this year. And they only have one person on their roster that is six foot and under. Like that's saying a whole lot right there. That is saying a whole lot. That means that team is good. That means they sitting down and they check it. And then you look in synergy and you see that defensively they're excellent. So you get rated. You get rated excellent, very good, average, poor, very poor. Those are the five uh, statuses you can have on synergy. Excellent is the best that you can be. All right, so it's not average. They are excellent. They're not very good. They are excellent defensively in these categories. Transition defense, half-court defense, uh, short-clock defense, out-of-bounds defense, ATOs, like spot-up, transition, post-up, ISO, all excellent. So when you look at synergy, it's excellent, 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 very good, good, excellent, excellent. I mean, so it's no mistake 
why this team is the number one team in the country and why they've won 23 straight games and have held teams to only score 70 points on them twice. They've already played Kansas this year. They beat Kansas at Kansas, and they beat them 67 to 55. Kansas couldn't even score 60 points. And another good win for them. They won at Texas Tech 57-52. I mean, these guys are playing some defense. And that's the reason why they're number one in the country. Um, they have the number one scoring defense team in the country. So it, to, to this Saturday, you got two defensive juggernauts going on. Uh, Kansas is number seventh in the country in scoring defense. Uh, they're led by Azabuki. He's averaging 12 or 10 a game. And Devin Dotson, he's a 6'2 guard. Uh, he's putting in 18 a game. Uh, but they're, they're ranked defensively as well. They're ranked everywhere. Uh, I want to say they're ranked number ninth in scoring defense. They're not as high as Baylor. Um, and they won 11 straight. They won 11 straight. So you're going to get to see who's the best team in the Big 12. This weekend, Saturday, 3 o'clock, tune in, CBS. I think it's 3 o'clock. Whatever time it is, you're going to see high-level players playing high-level defense. And trust me, I'm going to tell you all about it next week here on the We Talking Hoops podcast with Coach Cam. Man, I got so much hoops to talk that I totally forgot about two or three deep dives that I wanted to do in the Big Ten. I want to talk about two local teams. I want to talk about Michigan, and then I want to talk about Michigan State. And their season's going on, and the teams they got remain in the next five games, and how they're going to prepare for March Madness going in here because every game is important. So Michigan... Uh, this Saturday, they play at Purdue, which is going to be a huge game for them. Right now, they're sitting at 17-9 and nine in the conference, 8-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Uh, they finally found a way to win a couple games on the road. So they're 3-5 and five on the road, even though they're 10-4 at home. And for Michigan, if they want to make a statement, if they want to let the committee know that they deserve to play in the NCAA tournament, they're going to need a few more road wins for sure and it starts this saturday at purdue i had no idea uh xavier simpson was leading the country in assist at eight assists per game i didn't know that he was doing that i knew he was a very good floor leader for them i didn't know he was leading the country in assists i did not know that uh, we talked about earlier them getting a huge win at Rusker, Rutgers, 60 to 52. Uh, Simpson had 16. Uh, Franz Wagner had 12. David Julius had 10 and 5. And they run without Isaiah Livers. And we're, Isaiah Livers is a huge part of their lineup. We're going to see if they have to play more games without him. Hopefully, he can get back healthy. Because he helps them win. He helps them win. And their next five games, you're going to find out because they got some tough road games remaining. They got to play at Purdue Saturday. And after that, they got Wisconsin at home. Then they're at Ohio State, which is, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. You got the rivalry football. Basketball really shouldn't be a rivalry. Ohio State should not win this game. Michigan should. And then you got Nebraska. Then you're at Maryland. So, that's a tough way to end the season for Michigan to, to end it off at Maryland. They're going to need four out of these five games. They're going to need four out of these five games. Uh, I could see them 
getting Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Nebraska. I can see them winning four games in a row. I can see Michigan going to four-game winning streak and then having to go to uh, Maryland and try to beat Maryland at Maryland, and they're not doing that. They're not, they not big enough to beat Maryland at Maryland because that's just tough. That's just tough. It's just not going to happen. So that's Michigan. They're right there in the Michigan. And then you got Michigan State. Michigan State pretty much has the same record. They're 17-9 overall. They're 9-6 in the Big Ten, which is now 10-6 because they just took care of business at Nebraska, which is not a big win. You're supposed to win those games. And the game that's going to hurt them is them giving up the lead to Maryland over this past weekend. That was a, that was a that should have been a big a big win for Michigan State at home, top ten team in your in your in the crib, and you're giving up a lead, a twelve point lead with three four minutes ago. This is not a good look. The boy Anthony Kent, uh Anthony Cowan was going crazy. Um, and they, and they were down 15 in the first half. So my thing with Michigan State is this. Like, they, they really don't have an identity. Are they going to be a defensive team or are they going to be an offensive team? So te the times where they score, they average 74 points a game. The times where they score 74, 75, in the high 70s, low 80s, they win. Times where they score in the 60s, they lose. So what are you going to be? Are you going to beat Team 63, 61? Or are you going to beat them 80 to 68? Like, what are you going to be, Michigan State? Come on, I need you to figure it out. But before they beat Nebraska, they lost four of their last five games. So they need to figure it out before the conference start because their last five games remaining, they're at Nebraska. They got Iowa at home, and they got no matchup for Garza. They're at Maryland. They're at Penn State, and they got Ohio State at home. So, I mean, they're going to have to win three out of those five. They for sure can get Nebraska. Iowa's a toss-up. I don't even know if, if Penn State, if they could win at Penn State the way that that duo was playing for the Nittley Lions. And, of course, I don't really think – I don't think they can beat Maryland at Maryland. So, for them to really be in the mix, they're going to have three to win three of those five games. And we're going to see. But Michigan State's whole thing is scoring. If they can score 75, which is what they average, 75, 76, they're good. If they don't score in the mid-70s, low 80s, they ain't winning. So – that's just that. That's Michigan State, and that's the rest of my Big Ten roundup. No, I talked about a lot for the Big Ten, but you know what it is. Your coach that knows hoops the most. I want to talk about a little bit of small college basketball. Shout out to Albion College Division Three, right? MIAA. They won their championship league all outright uh, by beating Trine this weekend, sixty-six to sixty-two. Uh, they're 20 and four on the year. It's their first championship since 2005. That's a long time. That's 15 years ago. So it's the first time they've won an MIAA title in 15 years, which is a big deal. Jody May has been there. He's going into his 12th season. And it's crazy. Just this weekend, just this Friday, I've run into Albion assistant coach Stephen Draper just on some humbug. I'm trying to get some food type stuff at Royal Oak. So I work at I work at the airport and it's after 1030. So it's only a few places that's still open. So I'm like, I'm going to go to Royal Oak and I'm going to get some food. So it's a spot called the Mori and they got really good chicken wings. Like they're like uh, like it's a dry rub grilled wing that they have and it's a buck it's all oh, it's phenomenal really good so i'm like all right i'm gonna go to maury let me get some food and i'm gonna go to the crib and then i walk in there and then i'm at the bar ordering my food and say like, hey yo cam what up and the steven draper at albin he's telling me about uh the games that he got coming up 
and the opportunity they have to win the league for the first time in 15 years, which is huge. So shout out to Stephen Draper, shout out to Jody May and the Albion Brits for winning the league championship. They are led by James Hill Davis out of Ipsy. He averages 16 and a half points per game. And Caden Ebling, uh, a 6'7 junior out of Utica. Out of Utica, 18 points per game. And the thing about the thing that I like about Albion is they got 12 guys from Michigan. They got 12 guys from Michigan. They made a tournament run last year. They're making they're gonna make a tournament run this year. And they run the MIAA, which is normally have been sold for teams like Hope and Calvin. Like Hope is normally top two or three team every single year. Sometimes it's hoping everybody else. It's been like that for a while, but some of these teams are catching up. Albion is catching up. Not only did Albion catch up, they caught them and they passed them and they won the league championship before the last game even played. So shout out to Albion. Congrats on your championship. I will be watching. Um, so so where to get a gun? Where to get a gun, Drape? I'm going to holler at you in a minute. Um, and Albion, they rolling, man. They rolling and, and good luck to them to in their conference tournament. Uh, Juco, you got still got Schoolcraft is still rolling. But the team I want to talk about is Muskegon. Muskegon, uh, their big fella, just committed to Ferris State. Uh, Grazilius, uh, 6'11 kid. He's been averaging 20 and 12 on the... No, not 20 and 12. The last weekend, he averaged 20 and 12. I think he's at like 13 and 10 in game. Uh, but he's a big body. Take care of the paint. Their leading scorer in this Kalen Ship. So, uh, so Kylan. Kylan Ship out of Detroit Northwestern. Kylan used to play for me on my AAU team. Uh, every time we had practice, I had to come pick him up. Every single time, three or four cars in the driveway. And I'm like, why you need to ride? And this car's in the driveway. Uh, really good, humble kid. Doesn't say a whole lot. But uh, the coach told me uh, that he's been making strides uh, on and off the court. That he's been phenomenal for them. And not only in the scoring department, because he's averaging 19 points per game. But he's just an overall great kid. And they're ranked number 11th in the country. They're 20-4 overall. They're 15-0. and 0. In conference, so they have not lost a conference game. So if you have the opportunity to watch Muskegon Community College, go watch them. Go watch them. Go watch Schoolcraft. Go watch Henry Ford. Go watch Macomb. Some really good JUCO level players and games going on in the state of Michigan. You need to go check it out because I will when I have the opportunity to do so. So shout out to Muskegon Community College. Shout out to Schoolcraft Oslis. Had a chance to go watch them play this past weekend. They played Delta and they beat them by 20. They just wasn't very, very interesting in the game. Delta isn't very good. Uh, they got one player, Goliath Mitchell, that can play. Uh, but I don't see him playing at the D2 level, maybe playing at the D3 level, depending on his grades. Uh, but you, if you put him in a wreck, he get in a bucket. Uh, but he can go. He can go. Uh, he'll probably end up in the GLIAC. If, if I was at Wayne, I'd definitely recruit him uh, because it ain't a whole lot of schools that are. And, uh, yeah, that's just how it is, man. That's how it is in the GLIAC. That's how it is in JUCO. A lot of great JUCO teams and players in the state of Michigan. You need to go and get yourself on. Do your homework. Look these guys up. Go get them. Go sign them, coaches. It's your coach who knows who's the most. That was my college segment. Had to give you guys a little bit deeper dive on the Big Ten and the GLIAC and how teams in the Midwest were doing. Um, didn't want to mention the MAC and the Horizon this week just because it was a down week. 
it's a damn conference for them. So I didn't want to talk about them. Now I got to talk about the high school segment. First thing I want to mention, we start talking about high school. Last week, we mentioned Cast Tech had allegedly. And that's why I said allegedly. Uh, go back, run back the tape. I said allegedly that they have played an ineligible player and had to forfeit the rest of the season. That was end up incorrect. They did not play an ineligible player. That player was indeed eligible. And they had to go back and play their PSL semifinal game against Detroit CMA. They beat Detroit CMA to advance to the CMA to the uh, PSL finals the next day at Callahan, where they played Detroit Frederick Douglass. And Cast Tech did what they did, man. Tyson Acuff is a contender for Mr. Basketball. He, he scored 32 points in the contest. He's won three out of four PSL titles. That has not been done since Redford High School did it. Manny Harris, he won the title as a sophomore, junior, and a senior. So it hasn't been done in a long time. And I want to say that was 07, 08, 09, or 08, 09, 010. I forget the stretch, uh, but Manny Harris was getting it done. He won three straight. And Tyson Acuff won, and he won three straight. And now you get people talking about... Is he the best ever? And he's the best guard as Steve Hall has ever coached. Just appreciate the moment. Appreciate that Tyson Acuff is having a Mr. Basketball caliber uh, type of year. But he ain't even better than his head coach. Steve, look up. Steve, Google Steve Hall. He probably he probably wouldn't have come up because this is before, before Google. Uh, but Steve Hall, who was the head coach at Detroit Cast Tech, was a phenomenal basketball player. He was so good, he scored 60 points in three quarters, and it wasn't no three-point line. Like, he was good. Like, Steve Off was a scorer. Like, he was one of the best scores ever came out of Detroit Cast Tech, and it's no mistake why he's still breeding scores like Tyson Acuff having a Mr. Basketball caliber season. So it was a big debacle going on in Detroit, whether this kid was going to be eligible, whether they was going to play the game. They were just going to play the game on thir on Wednesday. CMA didn't want to play, and they felt disrespected, so they didn't play on Wednesday. And then the, the ruling comes back on Thursday that the kid wasn't it. Like, it was a mess. It was a complete mess, and I hate to see that from my Detroit people because I am PSL. Like, I am a PSL baby like my dad ran the PSL like I used to go to all the PSL games all the games at Kobo all the games at Cass at King at Murray Rye. I was everywhere because my dad was there and it's a disgrace what these people have done to the Detroit PSL league it's only four good teams in the conference four it's like 20 schools so how is it 20 schools when it's only four good teams it's only four good teams and you got one player committed to play division one one out the entire district one tyson acuff i'm sorry two tyson acuff and kyle legrier only two division one players out of the entire psl come on man i got a problem with that i really i really do so all of this mess about this ineligible player just reminded me that the PSL is a complete mess and it's not what it used to be. And I'm going to need them to figure it out and for them to get it together, man. The PSL is a mess. Hopefully they can fix it. So that was the PSL. Uh, Monty Bates. Monty Bates dropped 63 points and 21. Ooh. I'm not really tired, but I'm tired of this narrative about Imani Bates being the best ever because he dropped 63 on Chelsea. 
I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with Imani Bates. I know 60 is 60. I haven't seen guys score 50. I haven't seen guys score 60. So I'm not really impressed by the actual number, right? I'm disheartened because you make a big deal of him scoring 60 against Chelsea. Chelsea don't have a single Division I player. Not one. Not a single one. So him scoring 60 don't really mean much. The game was 109 to 108 to 102 in double overtime. So if you a high-level scorer, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there and say he should, he's supposed to score 60. 60 is a lot of points. What I'm saying is I don't need 60 against Chelsea. I need 40 on Benton Harbor. I need 38 against River Rouge. Like them two schools right there, you ain't doing the, oh, hey, you ain't doing none of that. You ain't barking. You ain't doing none of that. But you want to bark and do all that against Chelsea. I ain't respecting that, man. I'm not. You really want to show me some of Monty Bates? And he has. He showed me some his freshman year. He ran through the state. He won a state title as a freshman, average 30. You want to show me something? Put 30 on River Rouge and win. Put 35 on Benton Harbor and win. And we'll and we can talk. But this this 63-21 that he scored against, uh, yeah, I ain't I ain't I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. I'm not buying that. Uh, you can sell that to somebody else. Uh, Mr. Cameron Nichols will not be buying that. So uh, that was, that's that. Uh, Monty Bates wanted to talk about him scoring 60. That's, I mean, that ain't easy to do. It ain't teams that, that can score 60. He did it by himself. Latavius Vaughter, uh out of Detroit. I mean, uh, he played for the Detroit uh, Reach Legends program. But he lives in Clio. Clio's outside of the state of Michigan. He just committed to Northwood. Wow, look at that. A Michigan player commits to a Michigan school. It happens sometimes. Wow, there are great players here in Michigan. And Northwood has a stud on their hands. Latavius Valter is a stud. He was already on Sports Center. I already did an article on him. Great kid, great family. He's gonna do great things at Northwood. He just committed there. We had the big fella Grazilius commit to Ferris State. And you had the other big wing, 6'5, Mitchell Wilkinson, which I talked about two weeks ago. He commits to Ohio Dominican. And Ohio Dominican, they're okay in the GMAC. They're just a solid team. Um, but he shouldn't have to he shouldn't have to go to Ohio to play college basketball. Mitchell Wilkerson and Isaiah Sanders are GLIAC specials, and they should have to go to Ohio to play college basketball, but they do, which is a damn shame. I wrote an article today. My article uh, was on unsigned height, and these are seniors, four or five seniors that are not signed. Uh, that should be. They should be on your radar, and if they're not on your radar, you're doing something wrong. So the first on my list was Jay Sean Moore out of Ferndale, 6'6 wing, really good scoring, can shoot the ball a little bit, can make plays with the ball. They try to play him at point guard, and he just play him off the ball. Jay Sean Moore can really, really, really play. Then you got Ty Fortney. Ty Fortney is a 6'8 kid out of Wayne Memorial. He had to sit the first half of the semester for transferring from Taylor Trillium. And he's just a big problem, man. He's going to post you. He's going to try to get the chicken wing into your gut. And he's going to try to dunk on you, too. 
Uh, he's averaging around 13, 14 points per game, about 10 rebounds per game, and he's got a lot of JUCOs on him. I'm not sure what his grade level is like. Uh, Schoolcraft is on him. Uh, Grand Rapids Community College, Jackson, Muskegon, all those guys want him. Um, but, you know, see if they'll get him. And I want to go back to Jay Sean Moore. I forgot to mention the schools that were after Jay Sean Moore. at Central Michigan, uh, Georgia State, Eastern Michigan, uh, uh, Rhode Island, and Bowling Green. Uh, the next player on my unsigned hype list is Sir Real Smith. Sir Real Smith has to go Juco. All right. He has Joe Kuko. He has to go Juco, but he is averaging 29.5 points per game. He had a stretch this season where he scored 117 points in three games. He had 39 one game, he had 45 another game, and then 33 another game, and it comes back and put 26 on Arthur Hill and 36 on Millie Down. I mean, the boy has been getting buckets. I'm not sure if he has the grades to go Division One or Division Two, which is probably the case when you have a bunch of Juco offers, but Surreal Smith is the real deal. Holy Field. Next on my list, Jeremiah Pittman, Grand Rapids Union, averaging 19 points and 11 rebounds per game. High motor, very active. He's athletic. He's going to play offense. He's going to play defense. He's going to get it done at the end of the day. So uh, Jeremiah Pittman is also available uh, right now. He's got a lot of JUCO teams that's, that is looking out for him. He's a 6'3 wing. Um, he had 31 and 16 against Genesis this year. He's he just plays hard. He plays hard. He gets it done. If if you need a guy, you're at the JUCO level, um, or you're able to get his contact his uh, academics in order. Jeremiah Pittman is worth it. He's one of the best guards on the west side of the state. So make sure you go over to Grand Rapids and you know show them coaches some love and tell you man tell me a little bit about Jeremiah. Man, I heard he could play. Uh, Rounding off my list is Michael Bingham, 6'7", wing, out of Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Uh, he has offers uh, from Fairmont State. He has an offer from Fair State, um, a, couple, a couple other schools. He will be a steal at the D2 level, an absolute steal because he's athletic. He can play at the rim, and he can make the jump shot, too. He can stretch the floor with his jump with his jump shot. He can make the three and get to the rim. I think that he will be a steal for a GLIAC school. All right, he has a Davenport offer as well. Um, just a good player. He's a really good player. Um, so, yeah, so check out uh, Michael Bingham, Grand Rapids, Catholic Central. Other names that um, should be mentioned in this unsigned hype is Raynard Williams. Averaging 17-11 out of Detroit Edison. Jamani Jones, uh, a 1,000-point score. NIU offer uh, uh, plays at East Kenton. I think it's East Kentwood. Plays at East Kentwood uh, on the west side of the state. Kevin David Rice, uh, he's over at Grand Blank. Has a UAD offer, a Denver offer. He's averaging around 16 points per game. He put 18 on Lapeer, 14 on Muskegon, and 16 on UAD. So he's having a really good year. He was hurt for a good portion of the year. Now he's back healthy, uh, thank God, and he's getting it done. So those are just some of the names of my unsigned hype guys that if you have not already offered or try to figure out how you're going to offer, you need to go ahead and do it and get it done. 
And that's it, man. That's it. I had a whole lot of basketball to talk this week. I was excited. I was ready to go. It's 19 degrees. Recording this in my car. I'm cold as hell, man. But it's all good, man. I do this for the people. I do this for y'all. People that tune into my podcast. Uh, make sure you come back, man. Spread the word. Spread the word, man. Put it on your social feed. Say, check out this podcast. I listen to it all the time. It's straight talk. It's real talk. Ain't no, ain't no gimmicks. Ain't stuff that you see in no ESPN. This is coming straight from the horse's mouth. Coach Cam, the coach that knows hoops the most. That is me. And I'm out of here, baby. Like a bad haircut in no three. I'm all at you, player. Peace. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.